Welcome to Country Music Conversations. Lee Arnold here with a duo who has endured the test of time, the Bellamy Brothers, Howard and David. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith, Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. Born in Florida and still living there when they're not performing in the States or overseas. They were inspired by several musical genres. Their father was a member of a local Western swing band, and as teenagers, they were into rock and roll. Despite having any musical training, both brothers learned to play guitar, mandolin, and banjo. And in addition, David learned how to play accordion, fiddle, organ, and piano. Their first musical gig was in 1968 at a benefit concert with their father at the Rattlesnake Roundup. During that time, they also played dances at the Dade City Civic Center and a club called Louis in Brooksville. Their first paid jobs were playing fraternity parties at the University of Florida. The first big break came when they were noticed by a friend of Jim Stafford, who eventually wrote his hit Spiders and Snakes with David Bellamy. The duo signed with Curb Records in 1975. They gained national attention when they heard a song written by a roadie of Neil Diamond. They recorded it, released it, and it went to number one both domestically and internationally. The song was Let Your Love Flow. They were on a roll and followed with If I Said You Had a Beautiful Body, Would You Hold It Against Me? This led to a string of other number one hits, which included Sugar Daddy, Redneck Girl, Do You Love As Good As You Look, and many more. The boys worked on a few collaborative efforts, including the number one hit with the Forrester sisters, Too Much Is Not Enough. They also teamed up with Freddie Fender, Eddie Raven, and Joel Saunier for some chart toppers as well. Their track record is a testament to their immense popularity to this day. They've charted 10 number one singles, 25 top 10 hits, and more than 50 hits on the country charts. They're huge in Europe, where they appear frequently with hit albums in Germany, Switzerland, 
and Norway. The Bellamy's were one of the first country artists to have their own record label, and they've been licensing albums for over 25 years. In 2005, they returned to Curb Records to record a compilation album. Angels and Outlaws featured re-recordings of the duo's older hit songs, along with additional artists which included Dolly Parton, George Jones, Tanya Tucker, Alan Jackson, and Montgomery Gentry. Two years later, they released two gospel albums, and those received two Dove Awards. In 2018, they released their memoir, Let Your Love Flow, The Life and Times of the Bellamy Brothers. And the boys also became the subject of a reality series in 2018 called Honky Tonk Ranch. Our conversation today happened in 1988 before a performance in Fort Laramie, Ohio. Sit back and eavesdrop on our chat with Howard and David, the Bellamy Brothers. Lee Arnold with the Bellamy Brothers. Howard and David, fresh from jet lag from Europe and Czechoslovakia and Ireland. And now here we are in Fort Laramie, Ohio. How are you doing, Lee? Hi, Howard. Hello, David. <laughs> I tell you, I heard the new album and absolutely is just incredible. You've had a couple of hit singles from it so far. And the current single, when I heard it for the first time, I was listening to the intro. Now, the instrumental intro, I said, gee, this sounds like a great song from Sting or one of those contemporary acts. It reminds me so much. It's so contemporary, the lead-in to your latest single, that uh, it just kind of threw me off. Well, I don't think you're the only one <laughs> it threw off. Um, yeah, that, that record has been, I guess, uh, controversial in a different way than a lot of our records are controversial, because lyrically it's just a nice, sweet love song. Mm -hmm. But um, musically, I think it has some of those pop influences, right, you know, right. some of those, and, and not even 60s pop influences, which we've used before, more up-to-date pop influences, you know. But, you know, we, we like to change, swap around and change and do things. I think it keeps people guessing. We've got, uh, um, uh, the record's doing well. It's, it's up around number eight now, I think, in R&R &R and 10 or 13 in Billboard or something. But uh, we still got stations that won't play it, you know, because of that. It's a little bit, you know, they're, they're, and then we got other stations that like the more progressive stuff that just are all over it. We're talking about I'll Give You All My Heart, which is the latest I'll single. Give you all my love tonight. All my, I'll Give All My Love Tonight. And my See, heart. Whatever. And, and my body. Whatever. <laughs> and my heat in Fort Laramie. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it, it's, just a little, it's just a little different. And um, I think as long as we keep throwing those different things out there, I think it's good for us in a, in a ways. Even if, you, even if you come across people who maybe say, well, I can't use that in my format. You know, they still understand that, that next time we might be able to do a... Um, a more country-oriented thing and go back to it, you know. Does this latest album really truly reflect uh, uh, more accurately your feelings and your thoughts of growing up in the 50s and 60s, Howard? It portrays that somewhat. Uh, you know, I get so lost talking about when we say our new album. He's talking about crazy. Yeah, I, I yeah, know that. Yeah. Because we just finished a new album. Oh, yeah. You know? Okay, because you're, you're working on... Yeah, That's right. You're always one step ahead of the sheriff. It'll actually be released in September already. Right. We're finished right. and everything. But uh, I, I think I think it reflects that era somewhat. Um, what we always basically try to do is just end up with a selection of songs that we like, you know, and record them. And uh, 
it, it's nice that there can be some continuity between them. That's the hard thing to do is get the continuity between the songs. And uh, on the current album, even the new one we just finished, I think we we probably did that more than we've ever done. We made a really hard uh, stab at at, uh, at at a direction on an album. And uh, that's that's probably the hardest thing to do of all when you're just collecting songs out of uh, and writing and, and co-writing that sort of thing. It's the hardest thing to do is making it work together. When you're off the road and have a chance to go back home to Darby, Florida, which I know you both enjoy, which has been home for seven generations to the whole family, uh, do you relax? Do you have downtime down there? Well, uh, we don't have enough time there. Uh, it seems like lately we've had less time than we've ever had. And um, we get there every chance we get. We came back from Ireland and uh, we jetted straight home <laughs> and we're there two and a half days. And you know it, it does it does make you feel better because you know at least you know there is a home there and and uh, so um, it, it's getting better. Howard bought a um, I, I should tell this is a good little piece of news. Howard bought it when we were in Ireland. Bought a Waterford chandelier for his log cabin. So he, he was. He, you know, I, like a, I like a bit of contrast, you know, wood and crystal. You know, it goes good. Right. The best of both worlds. He hasn't been home long enough to see them hang it up yet. They just came in from Ireland. He hasn't even seen it in the house yet. You know, you've been gone too long when you walk in your house and your own dog growls at you. You know, you're in trouble. <laughs> Do you remember your first public performance together? Uh, public performance. Uh, we. You know, in, in our bio, we there was was a, a performance that we did with our father at um, the Rattlesnake Roundup that we always tell the story, which is an annual event still today. And that was one of our first, uh, even back school days. You know, we used to do the civic centers, and uh, even with the, the old R&B groups, we, we just got a collection of the old R&B stuff that was sent from one of the publishers. And uh, we were flashing back so hard on, on really our, our youth and music, you know, there's, and what we did. There's people on this old collection we listened to that we used to back up, like Eddie Floyd and people like that. Those were great days, you know, because everybody was, seemed like they were in, well, I guess we were younger, but it seemed like everybody was into dancing those days. You know, you just did those dance dances at civic centers, a lot of that, that type of stuff. You've had an enormous popularity in Europe. It's been probably the base of the one of the bases of the career of the Bellamy Brothers. Uh, and are the tastes there that different? Because you're so popular in Germany and Holland and Ireland and Czechoslovakia, really maybe as big or maybe bigger than here in the States. Well, uh, you know, it's when, when you say you're popular in Europe, like we, we've seen acts that'll 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 go to europe and say i'm popular in the states and then come to states and say i'm popular in europe <laughs> but but actually when when you say europe it varies country to country you know we'll be hotter and like you know we've always been real hot like in the german speaking countries like switzerland and germany and austria and those we've had a lot of hits there and uh we've been we've had fair amount of success in england and ireland and, and there too in holland but it varies so much country to country until it's it's really hard to say. But overall, I would say that uh, in Europe in general, we probably sell as much or more records as than we do in the States. You've had 12 number one hit singles, right? At least 12 number one hit singles. Well, depending on what chart you go by, one says 14, one says 12. Okay. <laughs> we'll split the difference. <laughs> okay, 13. 13. Of all the hit singles you've had, which one surprised you the most as being a number one hit? Uh, old hippie, I think, surprised me the most. 
Um, I just didn't think that it would, I thought it would get a lot more resistance than it did, and it didn't get any. I mean, none that I can even hardly think of. Because everybody identified with that time, because that was the target audience that was appealing to, and people were through that experience, right, Howard? Exactly. Even though uh, these days I put so little uh, emphasis on charts, uh, more and more. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question, <laughs> because it's such a train wreck out there. You know, there's. I compare it to be. It's it's like our highways. We have more cars on the highways now, and we have the same roads. And we got more artists on the charts, and we have the same system. Right. And there's just not enough room for everybody. So it's right. like a bumper car out there, you know. And you and and there's no way for anybody to figure the system out, you know. So it's it's rather well, ridiculous. Well, we've had 13 or so records go to number one, and we've had probably eight or nine go to number two. Right. I think we've had more number twos than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we have. I'm sure of it. David, you've done most of the writing over the years. Howard has contributed some. And a lot of your songs have a real humorous twist to them. I mean, body, for one, you know. Uh, and I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of another one, but there's one that just escapes me. Well, yeah, we've uh, been known to inject a little humor into things. I think it's good. I, I um, you know, at trying to stay away from, from songs being totally novel, I guess the closest thing we've ever come to being a novel record was country rap. And actually, Howard and I didn't want to release that as a single. That was uh, mainly Jimmy Bowen's idea. But it was, um, we liked the record a lot. It's great. We do it live a lot. It's, it's good. But I, I guess that was the more novel type thing we did is country rap. And it had, a, you know, it's a lot of humor in that. But I think the humor side of it is real important. I, you know, we we try not to make them novelty records, but at the same time make people laugh, you know, at themselves or at us a little bit. You also write songs with very important messages, social messages, word picture songs like uh, Redneck Girl, for example. <laughs> That's really a social message, yeah, you know, and, and it is a word picture story. Enough, it is, and, and probably out of all the songs we've done in our career, we've tried serious, we've tried uh, all these things, and... That's probably our anthem on stage to this yeah. day, and uh -huh. it, it, it's it, it's true. And I, and there is a message in there somewhere. There's a lot of them. <laughs> That's what it is. There's yeah. Just a world of redneck girl. Yeah, redneck girl. I think it's the dumbest song I ever wrote. Really? I, yeah, I do. Uh, but I, I'm glad I wrote it. I'm real happy. It's good. It's a good live song, and it was a big hit for us. It was just. It was just such kind of a dumb song, and and it, it, again, it was kind of like old hippie. I didn't realize there were so many of them. Well, That's true. I, I think it tells you that you know a lot of us take all this stuff too serious. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think music is a release for a lot of people. That that song, you don't have to think about that. You know, you can just go with the beat and 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 have fun. And and that's really there's a song on our new album, uh, which is called Rebels Without a Clue. And uh, that we did about us back a while. And it's, it's called When the Music Meant Everything and No One Went for the Gold. And it kind of, it kind of, it, it just means when, when we were really just in the music and didn't matter how much you got for the date. Right. It, it didn't matter. Oh, the music was all that mattered, you know. And that was really when it was at its greatest. That, that gives pause for thought. Are we really losing something in the perspective of what the country music business is all about? Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure we have lost it already. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we have. It's but, become so material. Yeah, yeah, it has become very material. You know, we still have fun playing and stuff. We have a lot of fun still. But the thing is, is we have, there's so much to worry about. Like, we played a date, 
I, I won't mention when, but we, we played a date and we got paid for it. And then we found out the guy had 8,000 more people than he told us we was going to have. And so, we, you know, and actually we, we've been ripped off again. And you got you just got to worry about that stuff all the time now because if you don't, somebody's going to take advantage of you. So you, you sort of have lost a lot. It's become just big business. And you know what we try to do in, in this song? We, we've tried to, we're, we're trying to go back and capture some of that, that feeling from the heart. You know, that, that the reason you really did it was for girls and fun. <laughs> you know, the heck with the money, you know. But uh, it's, it's big business, but we're still trying to, to show some fun in it. Family acts are big today, uh, duos particularly. Uh, you were really the second to follow hot in the heels of groups like the Everly Brothers, duos like the Everly Brothers. We got Sweethearts of the Real Do Now. We got the Judds. We have the Kendalls. And there's so many other examples. There's something very special about family duos and harmonies that's kind of an inbred situation. You could not manufacture it. You could not practice it. You cannot grab it out of the blue. It's just got to be there naturally. Mm-hmm. That, that's true. That's true. Somebody, uh, Some people will come up to us, guys in other bands or whatever, and ask us, about techniques or or whatever how we do harmonies or how we do this or that we really there's no we really don't know no they, secrets yeah they ask you how much do you practice and rehearse your, you know and we never have rehearsed it and we never will it's just it's a built-in thing and i think that's you know, if there's a gift that is the gift you know it's a sound that you were just given and, and you had nothing to do with it where do you see country music going david well um i see it going in a lot of directions you know, I I, um, I don't agree that you, you know. I, I guess right now the most popular theory is that it's going to going traditional, neo traditional, right? Yeah. New tradition, back to country, whatever. It has that's all of that stuff is just the old stuff anyway, which is very popular and it's good for country. But I don't necessarily see everything going there, and I think that I think that's reflective in like, well, like a song we have out. The, the single we have out now, uh, you've got a couple of uh, stations in spots that are very traditional that won't play it. But it, but if you look at other very traditional songs, you've got other spots that like progressive stuff that won't play those. So you've got really a balance. Uh, there's probably going to be a split, I guess, in the charts or in radio at some point. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not really going to worry about it. We're, ju- we're going to try to release the strongest songs that we can find. That's really, so this whole thing, after you get through with all the BS and the bottom line, is songs. It's, it's great songs is what you got to have. Speaking about songs, you have had great songs over the years, and that's why you're successful. Songs that appeal to everybody and everybody relates to. But I'm sure there have been times in your life and also in Howard's as a writer, as opposed to being a performer, when you've had writer's block and the ideas just don't come, how do, how do you cope with it? We go to Nashville and look up the good writers. <laughs> really? Is that the answer? <laughs> um, you know, we, you know I, I've been really lucky myself. I, I was reading um, uh, Van Morrison's one of my idols and songwriters, you know, and everything. I think he's really incredible and on all levels, country rhythm and blues and pop and everything. And I was I was reading an article about him, and he was talking about writer's block, and he called it the muse. He said, "When the muse don't come, you know." I've been um, I've been lucky a lot in my life. I've never had a period where I just thought I could not write. I mean, I've had times when a song didn't come easy, 
but I but I've never had a period when I said I can't write anymore. You know, I've never had I've never experienced that. I've always thought I could write something, even if it was bad. How did you write Sugar Daddy? Um, I wrote Sugar Daddy in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I saw a girl and a guy fighting underneath the hood hood of a car. Are you kidding? Yeah, they had the, really? they had the hood of the car pushed up, and the guy was looking at her car. It was her boyfriend. And he said, um, he said, um, was telling her how screwed up her car was. And he looked at her and he goes, what you need? He, go, he, he goes, what you need? You need to get a new car. And she looked at him and she goes, no, what I need is a sugar daddy to buy me one. And that's, and I, and I went and wrote, that was at the Howard Johnson in Knoxville. Unbelievable. I think you're being paid. You're playing the music right now. And the guy's got to go on stage. Howard, David Bellamy, thank you so much for joining us. We'll thank see you again. Thank you, Lee. See you later, man. Thanks for the time. There you go, friends. Two of the nicest guys in country music, the Bellamy Brothers. Join me next week when we'll be visiting with Gail Davies. Until then, Lee Arnold reminding you to stay safe and keep it country.